0: Beer sound. <laughs> Hello, internet, and uh, welcome to A Drink to the Past. As always, I am your host, uh, Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, uh, the only podcast where I tip my hat to you and remind you to share and subscribe our content and also ring the bell to get notifications every Friday when we go live on YouTube. I am joined by my glorious co host, uh, Mr. Chris.
1: Hi, I'm Chris, performatively woke audit. What?
0: Who owes me twenty bucks, Audette? Yeah, I still, I definitely still owe you twenty bucks,
1: <laughs> and and like a case of beer. Yeah,
0: I got my, uh, I got my Thanksgiving turkey hat on. Yesterday was Thanksgiving, so I'm drinking a good old Thanksgiving tradition that I just started yesterday and probably won't do again, uh, which is to drink this particular beer, which uh, is called Snowdrift Vanilla Porter from Wein and Kugels. Uh, Which is kind of interesting because I have heard of Line and Kugels before, but literally the only thing that I've ever seen from them in any store or anything is Summer Shandy. And I see it all year round, not just in Summer. So I didn't know that they actually made beer. I thought they just made the Summer Shandy or something. I'm like, oh, they they actually make beer. So, uh, yeah. I I got a whole buttload of bottle caps for you too, Chris. I got like a I got literally actually a 32 ounce cup this size, uh, which is full of them. So, this is my Sean Drink Something Stupid this week, which is in my cool Todd Hilton cup. Uh, he, he was the Rocky that was good.
1: Tom Hilton? The singular Rocky?
0: Todd Hilton, yes. The singular Todd Rocky Hilton. that was good. No, we've had we've had good ones occasionally from here and there. So uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to say something live in our chat which you can read if you're here with us. So Uh
1: are uh, what
0: you playing lately?
1: Uh, I've been playing a hell of a lot of PUBG that which is a game I came to about 4 years too late. I want I want to say but uh, I've been having fun with it even though it is one of those games where you can spend 20 minutes doing nothing, and then uh, about 0.5 seconds dying, mm-hmm. uh, and losing the match. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I've been I've been having fun with that. Uh, I also briefly played Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 before it crashed on my computer, but uh, other than that, I've been fun with those games. Uh, as you can see here, I'm also playing Hotline Miami again. Yeah. Because that's a thing that's pretty easily easy to do well, mindlessly.
0: Mm-hmm. All I know about Hotline Miami, I learned from Travis Strikes again. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never I, I keep meaning to get around to play it and sometimes I see like the collection on Switch for like super cheap on sale or something and I'm like Ah, uh, should I do that? And then I don't. <laughs> For no particularly good reason. Uh, but there's a mini game in uh, Travis Strikes Again that's uh, inspired by it. One of the video games that you get transported into. So, so it's pretty cool. Okay.
1: Uh, Sounds that. pretty cool.
0: Anywho, uh, today, uh, Sean Drake's something stupid. I, I'm not sure what to call this, but I had some apple juice hanging around, and I thought, well, if a orange juice and a... Uh, Vodka is called a screwdriver. Then maybe apple juice and vodka is a hammer or, or a wrench. What do you think?
1: Uh, vodka and apple juice probably it's probably like a I don't know. Yeah, hammer. Hammer sounds about right. Hammer. Because right. it'll get. The torsion wrench would be that in tequila. Right. Be like.
0: Whereas you get orange juice, apple juice, and tequila, then it's like a miter saw.
1: This
0: isn't bad. I am a grown-ass man, and I fucking love apple juice. And this tastes like apple juice, because apparently if you put in vodka and apple juice, you don't notice the vodka.
1: I mean, there's There's nothing wrong with being a grown-ass man who likes his apple juice.
0: That's good, because I am a grown-ass man who likes my apple juice. Here, you gonna try my apple juice and vodka? This is also the only podcast on the internet where my wife randomly comes in to drink my apple juice and vodka. You dig it? Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking this week?
1: Ooh, that is so uh, I am drinking a peanut butter porter from Denver Beer Co. Yummy. That's, oh. uh... We Good classic our
0: beers last week, also. I, I realized as I was, like, getting the podcast ready to post on the uh, audio versions and stuff, so uh, I think we have to drink this week for forgetting to rate our beers
1: last week. Hey, I'll drink to that. There you go.
0: Yeah, you stole my catchphrase. Yeah, now.
1: I mean... Okay. I stole your catchphrase. We'll drink to that. Oh,
0: sorry, I will. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what do you rate that beer there, Chris?
1: Is that what you have uh, this week? that is not what I so i I've, I've, I've been on like a peanut butter beer kick neat uh where I've been drinking a lot of like I just threw up on the ground there I've been drinking like peanut butter stouts and porters I had a peanut butter stout left hand brewing company hmm. uh, last week which I was like yeah that was flavorful that was nice and tasty uh, and peanut butter graham cracker porter from Denver beer Co is also really good so yeah um I'd say. This partic- particular batch, I would make the porter would edge out the stout just by a little bit, is what I would say. Cool. What do you rate
0: that on a scale of 3 to 17?
1: Uh, 16, at the very least. Yeah. Very good. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, uh, yeah, this apple juice, I'm going to give it a, a good 14, because I fucking love apple juice, you know? And it, if you're going to make a cocktail out of it, something, it might as well be something that you enjoy. So, uh, check that out if you're in the, in the know. Um, yeah. as for what you're playing this week, uh, I've been playing Age of Calamity literally nothing but since Friday. I don't think I've picked up another, I've briefly touched Pokemon Go, <laughs> which is funny because they announced this whole thing, uh, we covered last week or two weeks ago where if you, uh, pokemon go and you get to level 40 by the end of the year you'll get a secret achievement basically and it'll be really rare and awesome and i'm like i'm level 39 i should get there and then i like just didn't even consider pokemon go as a thing for like five days straight because uh, i've been playing all the age of calamity i about pooped myself yesterday because i was uh i set it up and i was gonna have my kid play with me uh and so i i start up my game and he's, you know, just at the age where he can read most stuff by himself, but he doesn't always take the time to, so he picks new game. And I'm like, no, don't do it, and he, it, it says, this will delete your old game, and he pushes yes, and I'm like, no, no,
1: yes. <laughs> did, man, did I ever,
0: don't do it!
1: <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time when I was about five or six years old, and I did that to my older brother with Super Mario 64? Did you delete I deleted I, I deleted all of his uh like 121 star 120 star saves. Wow. Yeah. And wow.
0: I yeah. Yeah, um I it wasn't too bad for me cuz I, I we caught it in time and he got to the point where it asks him to select his difficulty and stuff and I was like, "No, no." And I like closed out of the app uh out of the game and uh reset it and all my stuff was still there but i was just like oh my god are you because i had literally played 40 hours of this game this week and i was not going to be happy if he had just i'm like i had to do all that over again the most grindy unlockable character i've ever got in anything why i was like i was sure my data was gone and i was so sad when i was so relieved (laughs) when i saw it was it was fine so, yeah, my wife's
1: gonna come yell at us it? I thought my husband was going to cry. <laughs> I truly did. did I, 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 under, I understand <laughs> that. I
0: wouldn't have cried, <laughs> but kill I, kill I would have drunk child, a lot more. Or kill our firstborn. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll going full
1: Rumpelstiltskin there, huh? You do that all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah. Uh, so, I've been playing all the Age of Calamity. It's, uh, have you gotten around to that yet, Chris? Uh,
1: playing? I have not. That was a game I was thinking about picking up. I was like, uh, some other stuff came up, so I have yet to get it.
0: Alright, well, we'll probably be talking about it next week on the podcast, so get it this week. Be
1: <laughs> Get this week and do the right thing.
0: I mean, the right thing was to get it on launch day, clearly, because it's you know, a Zelda game. And it's good! Yeah. Yeah, it's really good, actually. Um, it's uh, one of our uh, news topics this week, so actually, let's let's start with that. Uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity uh, has sold over 3 million units just in its launch weekend, so it's, it's actually probably beyond that today, because this was as of Monday, it sold 3 million units. Uh, so it's a four day launch weekend that's. Holy crap. Pretty good. Three million. Uh, that is the highest selling Musu Warrior games of all time now. Just literally outsold every other game in the series in a weekend. I'm just like, holy crap, that is impressive. Uh, you know, I, I knew it was going to pull numbers, but I was like, I didn't expect it to be quite that big that fast, and I also didn't realize how much of a niche the uh, Warriors games were, because I would have expected that, you know, it's a long-standing popular series, you know, everybody's heard of it at least. I would have expected that something has sold more than 3 million, but apparently not even Hyrule Warriors, the original one, sold over 3 million, which obviously, you know, depending on what game, obviously anything over a million is still impressive as shit, but... Not everything can be animal poster, right? They're Pokemon, so true. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, have you ever played another Warriors game?
1: <laughs> oh, I've never played another Warriors game. It's uh, something <clears throat> I always kind of was interested in.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, generally, I like them. They're you know not your. Like most thought provoking games of all time, is the, but y- y- you know, the hack and slash combat is always super fun. Uh, you know, it's a good co op game, uh, in general. We've had a lot of fun just playing co op in Hyrule Warriors now, because uh, obviously, you know, most Zelda games you don't get a co op mode, and so this is really cool for them. For it is, you heard it here, yeah, having, having
1: a co op mode in. An A-Zelda game has always been kind of a huge plus for me, so...
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'll be excited to be able to use that. Uh, is that online?
0: Do you know if that's online or not? I don't know if it's online. If it is, then we should totally get together and, you know, play some online Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. But at the very least, it's, you know, Couch Co-op, which is awesome, because Couch Co-op is, you know, almost a thing of the past these days, especially on, you know, other cancels on, uh, um... You know, Xbox and PlayStation, I feel like, for the last generation, have been trying to move as far away from any kind of local multiplayer as they possibly can. So I'm glad that a lot of Switch games are still providing a good co-op multiplayer experience. All right. Next piece of news and booze. Uh, Magic the Gathering has some news. Their next secret lair drop, which if you missed one of our podcasts a while ago, I actually unboxed a secret lair drop of Godzilla lands. Uh, their next one is going to be a series of basic lands featuring artwork by Bob Ross,
1: which is interesting because I, I mean, do you think he's painted any swamps that would fit like the? art style of like a mtg swamp
0: um i i did see the images you can look them up online uh the swamp uh is not necessarily a it, it almost looks like it's got a, like a filter put on it to make it a little more swampy uh but it's it's kind of this marshish area because you know he painted all sorts of different landscapes and things like that so uh the art that they chose i think is all very good uh i like bob ross's art anyways i watched a buttload of joya painting when i was a kid you know it was just like one of those things that was on between thomas the tank engine and batman so (laughs) i watched a lot of bob ross because that was back in the day when you didn't just get to say yeah no i'm gonna watch all 700 episodes of pokemon dad
1: (laughs) all 700 episodes wow
0: I mean, actually, there's more total episodes of Pokemon than that. I don't know how many my children have watched, but it they, is a that's,
1: <laughs> That is almost up to One Piece levels there. Actually, I
0: believe, last I checked, the Pokemon anime had more total episodes than One Piece. It did wow. start one year earlier. So I believe the Pokemon anime is over a thousand episodes now. So, what do you think? You gonna spend 50 bucks on basic land because Bob Ross painted it?
1: Uh, hell no. But that sounds pretty cool, though. Me
0: neither. It, it is really cool, uh, but, you know, it's like, I feel like I would get this if I had some fuck you money to just be like, I have this. And these are ones that, like, the Godzilla lands I put in big old giant sleeves to actually play with. The, um the bob ross ones i feel like i would just like frame those and put them up like like an actual work of art because that's what they i mean it's it's literally 10 works of art because you get two of each basic land with different um uh bob ross paintings featured as the art so i'm like that's, that's pretty cool um io interactive has announced a new 007 game uh io interactive is them dudes what make hitman so if you've ever played a hitman game then uh, you know what they're about so i think this is kind of interesting because a lot of the other james bond games you know all the classic ones are made by ea and they're all kind of action shooters whereas james bond isn't really an action guy in any of the movies you know so i i think this different kind of hitman take on it if they go the way that they've done the Hitman games and have kind of a stealth action merged. I think that could be kind of interesting for a James Bond game. What do you think?
1: Uh, I mean, that would definitely be truer to the movies. and It would be interesting kind of playing a Hitman-esque uh, James Bond game.
0: Yeah, doing a little actual espionage like, you know, James Bond instead of just... I think in one of them, there was, like, a cool espionage intro mission, and then the rest of them, it's just... I mean, it's a first-person shooter, you know? It's hard to make interesting espionage content for a first-person shooter, I guess, or... I don't know. I I just think their direction was entirely different uh, than... which, Which isn't to say that it was bad. I mean, obviously, GoldenEye was, you know, a really awesome party shooter way back in the day. We played a lot of... Nightfire in the original Xbox generation um as well as this is also on PS2 and GameCube which is it's funny because I went over to a buddy's house one time to play Nightfire and he had it on GameCube and it was super weird playing a third or a first person shooter with the the C stick that's not like a full joystick it's like that it is a full joystick but it's it's just got that nub instead of a full joystick pad, you know. So it was yeah. So super it's weird you can, to play. your thumb can
1: lose like grip and stuff.
0: Yeah, um, and as well, the the triggers on the GameCube controller as like they were good triggers, but they did not lend themselves well to first-person shooters. I think. So I was just, like, coming from the Xbox controller into that game, I was like, I feel like I should know how to play this game, but I feel like I don't know how to play this game. Especially, because also I'm used to the ABXY on Xbox at that point, and I'm trying to figure out all the, you know, the weird-ass way the buttons were configured on GameCube. is like, completely difficult to actually translate in your head on the fly. So it was, like,
1: it was fun. That's... That's what I remember about that game. Uh, Is it? That it was kind of difficult to... Difficult to play
0: on GameCube controller?
1: Yeah, well... Hmm. uh, thought it was just kind of difficult to map all the controls in your head. Right. It was like most of the game was about figuring out the controls. I've kind of (laughs) felt that way about first-person shooters that have to operate on controller anyway, though, so. Right. Which, I know, is not the case for people who, like, play Halo.
0: Yeah, um, obviously, playing as much Halo as I do, I'm, like, completely good on that now, but then if I tried to play Halo on a GameCube controller, that'd be weird as shit. Alright, next piece of news and booze, The Medium has a release date, which is going to be January 28th next year, so right at the start of the year we're getting The Medium, which will be uh, coming to Xbox Series S and X, as well as PC, and it's going to be available day one on Xbox Game Pass, so that'll be really the first next-gen exclusive xbox game i mean exclusive obviously you know there's not really xbox exclusives anymore because everything they make on xbox they put on pc day one pretty much and you know from microsoft first party games so which i mean
1: hey uh, i appreciate that but kind of sure. it's kind of limiting if you're uh, kind of limiting if you're trying to sell a console
0: Right, you know, but I feel like they sell their product in different ways and just have totally different marketing strategies that it it probably works anyways. Because, you know, whether a guy like you has PC or a guy like me has an Xbox, there is something to be found in Game Pass. I know you're not totally into the games as a service thing, but, you know. Yeah. it's, It's... Still, I feel like they're driving Game Pass more than they're driving console sales, and that's where they're trying to make up their money. And I think it'll probably work by the end of this generation, whether they sell a lot of Xboxes or not.
1: When do you think you'll be able to rent an Xbox directly from Microsoft? Do you think they're going to go that route? I don't know. So you rent the Xbox and then you do the Game Pass?
0: I mean, you can already they already have the financing thing where you can basically rent to own. So it's like no upfront cost, and then you pay like 25 bucks a month. Of, oh shit! 35 bucks a month, and then depending on it's like 25 for a Series S, I think, at a 35 for a Series X that comes with Game Pass rolled into the price. Uh, so you get all your online, you get all your Game Pass games, and you get the console. And then over the 24 months. Uh, or 36 months, or whatever it is, uh, you bas- you're basically sign a contract to say, yeah, I'll pay this over this time, and then you get the console, no upfront cost. So, th- I mean, that's basically the same thing, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that is basically the same thing. Yeah. It's uh, almost... uh seems kind of dystopian to me. A just weird. a little bit.
0: kind of consider it, but then I was just like, yeah, I'd rather, you know, just buy it outright. Uh, I think that works easier. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. I don't know. Uh, but the medium in general looks like a really cool game. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers for it, but it um, is one of the few games I'm looking at for the next-gen that really looks like it's taking advantage of the next-gen hardware, because uh, one of its... Uh, it's, it's basically its big gameplay gimmick is that you are able to see, like, your world and the spirit world at the same time is kind of what it looks like. So you're literally looking at two versions of the world that are simultaneously rendering side by side, and you're controlling yourself in both worlds at the same time. Uh, which really looks like it'll, you know, it looks like a thing that wouldn't have been doable without the speed of an SSD to load both worlds simultaneously. So, I'm super oh. excited about this. I'm, you know, apparently on January 28th. I'm, I'm downloading that right away, and, and I'm gonna check it out. I think this looks fucking cool.
1: So, what was the name of it again?
0: The Medium. The Medium. Yeah. Um, they're making a Tetris movie. Just based off of that statement, I want your reaction, and then I will explain the rest of it.
1: Gross. <laughs> nice.
0: So this Tetris movie, That's my reaction. <laughs> the Tetris movie is not going to be based on Tetris. the It, it, it is, but it isn't. It's uh, more or less a biopic of the guy who created Tetris originally, this Russian dude. Uh, it was a one-man team uh, back in the 80s that created Tetris. Uh, so he's being played by Tarrant Igerton, who recently was also in the biopic of... Um, Elton John, uh, and did a fantastic job as that. He's also been in Kingsman, a couple other big movies lately, so I I like Taron Egerton pretty well. Everything I see him in, I'm like, yeah, he's he's pretty good. So uh, I'm kind of excited for this. Uh, Are you more excited for this than you would be for a movie, actually, based on the game?
1: Yeah, now that I know it's about the guy, Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds way more more interesting.
0: interesting. You know, for... You know, coming then out of the sky then like, like the
1: the what are you even doing do emoji that? movie or whatever
0: right? that i
1: thought it was going to be yeah based on the name
0: <laughs> right it's just it's just four tetrominos just like hanging out in a condo <laughs> just like it's just it's just seinfeld like of but the lazy guy and they all are like T-block you haven't paid rent in months what are you what are you even doing
1: that sounds genuinely awful
0: that's literally what the Angry Birds movie was it was terrible
1: <laughs> uh, and uh, it was just half baked but uh right. but with uh, Angry Birds
0: yeah something like that I don't know I, I, I just remember like just how awful it was I don't remember a lot of the plot details but it was like supposed to be like this sitcom almost is what it felt like but badly written Um, anyways, uh, this last piece of news and booze I think you'll find very exciting because I know you were a fan of the first one. Uh, Square Enix has announced Neo The World Ends With You, which is a sequel to the original coming summer 2021.
1: Huh. You just jizz your pants? I, I'm trying to figure out where they could have gone from the original. I'm not sure, like, I meant to play
0: it for like a long time, and then they said it was coming to Switch, and I was like, sweet, and I pre-ordered it for Switch, and then I didn't have money at the time, and then I never got back to it, and then I, like, I think like earlier this year, some, I think it came out last year, and earlier this year sometime, I was like at GameStop, and they were like, you still have five dollars down on The World Ends With You. I was like, I do? Oh yeah, that game came out. A long time ago, didn't it?
1: Yeah. It came out... I played that game I last played that game when I was like 15 and it was not a new game then.
0: Right. Yeah, so yeah, cuz the original was for uh, original DS. So that was that was quite a while ago. Um yeah, so I'm interested. I would like to play the first one still. I, maybe I'll get around to it eventually. I guess we'll see. Um so how hyped are you on a scale of 3 to 17 for Neo the World Ends with You?
1: Neo, the world ends with you. Yeah. I'm like... 5 I'm like, it sounds interesting, but I don't... I don't really know where they would go with it if they do, like, a different gameplay thing or what. Yeah.
0: Alright. And, um, I guess that's all for the news and boos. Shall we get into our table topic for the week? Absolutely. So the table topic this week is how to handle spin-off campaigns set within the same canonical universe.
1: Spinoff campaign. That's that's a good one.
0: Yeah, because I feel like there's a couple of different ways that I've had DMs go and I've thought about going and, and different things. Because sometimes, you know... Uh, It'll be like with the same play group, and sometimes it'll be with multiple play groups that are kind of playing around in the same world, or even going through the same, technically the same campaign. But you know, depending on which direction they go, uh, you know, they might do something else. Uh, so, uh, have you ever DM'd for something like that, or uh, uh, for something like
1: that? Only just recently, I started playing a, uh, running a game that's set in the same world, but. They, it's te- technically takes place several countries apart, but at the same time as the original game for the same... Um... So, and it's set just a few months earlier mm-hmm. than the original game started, but since they're both the kinds of games that could run for multiple years, uh, it kind of remains to be seen if and when they might overlap with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... It's new territory for me and I haven't gotten to anything that might I've got, haven't gotten to any of like the crunchy details that might affect that sort of thing yet
0: right um, I've played in a couple of campaigns uh, that took place within the same canonical universe uh, with our buddy Owen who we mentioned from time to time uh, He kind of likes to you know create all of these stories as a you know one cohesive universe in a lot of his homebrew stuff. Uh, so, it's kind of cool. Sometimes you don't even really think about it, though, because, uh, you know, it's like a totally different part of time in his, you know, vast history that he has. Uh, you know, it's it's very impressively created. I really like, you know, checking out all the history and being like, you know, sometimes it's like ancient history is like a, a past campaign that we completed and, and sometimes... Like, the, uh, one of our characters, like, became a deity or something. That will be like, hey, I know that guy! <laughs> so it's, uh... I, I think those are all kind of interesting. Um, particularly, the last couple campaigns I've been playing with him are all... I think we've played three campaigns that are all now in the same universe right about the same time. Uh, so that's been kind of interesting to just kind of see, you know, how the world is... You know, in this part of the country, in this part of the country, and and whatever, uh, from different perspectives. And then, obviously, you've got your. In one campaign, we're a little bit murder hobo-y, and in another campaign, we're all kind of, you know, just this uh, like military group that's uh, just trying to scrape by and through this, you know, other part of the country where the war is more prevalent. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting uh, switching between those two, uh, campaigns with the same group, because, um, you know, sometimes we're going around, you know, having, I, I actually also, I think we were in a third one with a different group with him, but it's in the same universe, uh, that we were, uh, going through, and, um, it was, it was interesting, because we had, like, a similar adventure in that one, and then a, a similar adventure in the next one. And, and so when we got back and he's recapping, he's like, what, what did we do last time? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we did this, and then and then we killed this guy, and then we're like, every other player was just like, what the hell are you talking about, man? And I'm like, oh, it's all, uh, oh, no, never mind. That was the other rat folk in the other campaign. That we did. <laughs> so it's...
1: That's pretty funny. Yeah, you get that... a little
0: bit of a, you know, <laughs> hilarity that way sometimes. But, uh, you know, what you're going to do
1: can you imagine PvPing against your own characters from a different party?
0: Hmm. Now there's an idea. That would also Actually, be a great sweet.
1: game. Actually, did most recently have an event in a Nick's game where a character that was originally in my game that a different character played was sent there by one of the gods to challenge us. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Got... And so... This character was, like, a lord of one of the primary gods. Of... He was, like, a champion of one of the primary gods of this other world. Hmm. Which, uh, which ended up being kind of an interesting way of moving that character over. Right.
0: Yeah, so, um... What do you think would be something to avoid uh, if you were going to do some sort of spin-off campaign or some sort of, uh, you know, another adventure within the same universe?
1: I, I think we're both thinking of a similar example that comes to mind mm-hmm. that we both experienced. I I don't know if you want to say it or not.
0: Uh, I don't know which one.
1: <laughs> so, uh, and not, not to pick, up, pick on Dan here but there was the um th- there was the game where he ran the same world at the same time multiple different player character groups uh, with different players and they ended up interfering with us in a way that we couldn't really combat uh which obviously that's not something that's, like, likely to happen, but mm-hmm. it did happen, and it seems like the sort of thing you'd want to have, like, a game plan for knowing that it could happen.
0: Yeah, something like especially that. Especially in the future. Because, uh, which I think he's openly admitted that this was a little bit of a, you know, he, he thought it would be a cool idea, and I think if it was implemented a little differently, it could have been a really cool idea. Uh, but basically what happened in this was that one of the player characters, uh, like, killed some guy and then planted some evidence so that it wouldn't look like he had killed him. I forget exactly the, uh, conditions, but then, um, for some reason the other party going through this campaign, uh, found, you know, this dead guy and... Saw that he was murdered by, you know, the. I, I think the evidence he planted was basically this crossbow bolt from a, a, drow crossbow. So and and you know we're in a dungeon full of drow, so it, it makes perfect sense that this dude was just slaughtered by drow. But then on a wild hair for no particularly good reason, the uh, other player characters in the other group just decided that no, this is fishy for some reason, which. Like, to this day, nobody really knows why they thought it was fishy. Because there was was no... Like, he, he rolled so perfectly on his, you know, checks and everything, and Dan didn't describe it as looking sketchy at all. It just was, like, those particular players were suspicious of this for some reason. And so they kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it until eventually it came up that uh, in our part of the campaign, we were all wanted criminals. And then we ended up, like, detouring out of town and then getting lost in the woods for, like, six side adventures and never (laughs) managed to figure our way back to the beaten path. It was was really awkward. (laughs) So that is a potential thing. To uh, do that, hey, we actually have a guy that's uh, commenting and stuff. It's our good buddy Josh. Hi, Josh. Um, I'm just. Hey, Josh. What's your, up? Uh, com- actually, we have three concurrent viewers, so that's a new record. So we have to drink.
1: I'm uh, drinking for that. Can't believe it.
0: Three viewers at once.
1: That's triple our one. original viewer co- actually, count. I
0: think our record from last week was two. Oh, we're back down to two. We have we lost a viewer. Okay. We have to drink again. Damn it. <laughs> Call them out, they're like, Well, oh, let's fucking leave. So if you are watching uh, live, you can uh, tweet us any question about, or a comment about uh, the topic that we're talking about, and we'll take your comments and we'll, we'll talk it over. Uh, or if you just want to say, drink in the chat, we will totally drink. That's a new rule of drink to the past since we started live streaming. I, I said it last week in the chat, uh, but nobody chatted last week, so anyways...
1: How dare they? Yeah.
0: So, Josh says, "I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of victory." The media say, "What? Ha 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 ha
1: ha 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 ha." Yeah, don't bring politics into this, Josh.
0: Yeah. Hey, we're back up to three concurrent viewers. I don't know if that guy came back or if we we found another one, but hello and welcome. Uh, So anyways, we're in the middle of our table topic, if you're just joining us. And uh, if you want to catch the entire thing, you can of course catch this over on uh, Apple Podcasts or Podbean later tonight. Uh, If you just want the audio version, and it'll probably be done buffering and all that bullshit earlier tomorrow morning for uh, YouTube. Uh, So we're talking about how to handle spin-off campaigns set within the canonical universe, for those of you just joining us. Um, uh, so what's, how do you think this would be, like, best introduced? What do you think the best possible way, because we've kind of gone over a couple of different ways to really do this, where we're like, okay, yeah, you can have different playgroups that kind of affect each other, or you can have, like, different time periods within the same universe. Do you think there's a best way, or, or, what, what what are your favorite ways?
1: Uh... I think the best way to to do, what is it, two different player groups in the same universe at the same time? Uh, would be to, whenever they intersect, have them meet up. Obviously, this isn't feasible for, you know, most of the time. But uh, to be like, hey, you guys are about to meet this other player group. I'm going to run this session for the both of you. Mm-hmm. It's best in the sense that it's the most functional. It's not best in the sense of, you know, working with everyone's schedules. Right. As we know, scheduling is the bane of modern day d Yeah,
0: that's that's kind of the problem. Even with, like, you know, all the online shit and COVID now, sometimes it's just like one guy won't be able to get off Saturday or, you know, whenever you're
1: doing it. So yeah.
0: It's an issue. Uh, Tom Thurman comments: uh, What do you think about long labia minora? About what? Long labia minora. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom.
1: <laughs> thanks for thanks for asking that question.
0: Is that a question that you understand?
1: <laughs> Not really. Okay. I, I don't. Hey, more more. I'm more concerned about the... why he asked it. <laughs> thanks, Tom.
0: Thank you for your question, Tom. That's apparently our answer.
1: (laughs) Our answer is thanks. I I don't have any particular thoughts about that. What about, what about, what of it? You got some struggles you're dealing with there?
0: I don't know. Since he mentioned menorah, even though it's not spelled like menorah, I'm like thinking, oh yeah, Hanukkah's coming up, isn't it? I'm not Jewish, but as a kid, like I celebrated Hanukkah. And uh, yeah. Now he says, huh. I love meaty pussy. Um, is this guy just a troll?
1: <laughs> yes. So,
0: uh, thank you for trolling us, Tom. We've had a wonderful time, and we'll drink to
1: you. Mm-hmm. So, so, this isn't a problem. It's It's like, I don't know, bragging? We'll see. How hard is it to chew to these people? There we go.
0: So anyways, um... Alright, is there any other thoughts you have on uh, handling spin-off campaigns within the same canonical universe?
1: Uh, let's see. Well, well, do you have, like, an idea of a second best way of handling that?
0: Um, I don't know. Because, like, all the ways that I've had are, like, good, but... Also, maybe a little double-edged sword. E, you know, I think the best way to handle it is to kind of just keep them, you know, like reference the things that the other players have done in other campaigns. Or be like, hey, there's this, you know, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a side quest out of it or anything, but I'd be like, hey, there's these other group of adventurers that have been here lately, and they're pretty cool see. I, I don't know, something like that. I feel like it right. would be appropriate. You know, something that, like, yeah, you're throwing in this thing there, you might, you know, exalt their deeds, but not have it directly impact uh, the, the other player characters
1: in something like this. And PvP is more typically banned, so why would PvP by proxy be any different?
0: Yeah. Because it's essentially PvP is what we ended up having, even though it wasn't directly PvP, it was like, PvE makes E more aggressive towards P-ish, if that makes sense, which it probably doesn't.
1: Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, PvP by proxy. They uh, use the environment against us. Yep. God. Wow
0: oh. Well, I'm going to get into my beer of the week, which I said earlier, is uh, the & Kugel Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. Um, so if you're here for the beer reviews, sorry it took this long. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do?
1: Review mm. some beer? I'm going to drink some huh? beer.
0: That's what I'm going to do. Because beer is beer. That's why we call it a drink to the past, because we drink and we're in the past. Except for right now, we're live-streaming, so we're, we're in the future. Or... present? I don't know. Chris is probably in pain, because he keeps getting shot and dying.
1: It does hurt a lot.
0: Do we, do we have to drink every time you die in this one, like we did when Crow was playing Cadence of Iro?
1: Uh, no, because we would die from alcohol poisoning.
0: Mm-hmm. That's That's probably... Shall we get into our video game topic, or is there any last minute thoughts you got on uh, handling spin off campaigns within the same canonical universe?
1: I don't have any particular. more thoughts. I might have more thoughts in the future. Right. Got our. I have more experience with that.
0: So, our uh, video game topic for this week is uh, what makes spin offs good, what makes them bad, and uh, where are the best and worst examples of spin off games in gaming? Um, which. Of comes up because I was talking about, you know, I've been playing Age of Calamity. I think Age of Calamity is a great spin off. Um, I think the first Hyrule Warriors was a pretty good spin off as well. Um, and I think sometimes spin offs do a really good job of, you know, kind of helping out, you know, or, or, I don't know, d- just doing something differently than the original content did. Uh, in a way that makes it unique and uh and cool. Uh Tom Thurman says he has no idea what makes a good spin-off.
1: Uh Well, first it should focus on being a good game, I would say. That helps. <laughs> I mean, how many spin-offs can you think of that were just like cheap cash grabs?
0: Um question. Probably some, right?
1: Yeah. Just, uh, like the Zelda CDI games, which were not, in fact, the best games ever.
0: That is true. They were not, in fact, the best games ever. Because, obviously, uh, uh, you know, it was, uh, E.T., right?
1: Do you know how, uh, Tingle's Rose-Colored Land was reviewed?
0: Um because it only released in japan actually they like uh tingle pretty well over there he's a much more popular character than he is stateside so actually i believe it reviewed decently um i've heard from people who have played it uh, because there was an english localization but it was not ported to the united states it was or, or north america specifically it was ported to the european regions um, so I believe that it reviewed okay. I've heard from people that it was a fun, decent game. Uh, and if you like Tingle, then you'd find something to love. And personally, I just fucking hate Tingle. I am the American that kept them from, you know, actually boarding it to the United States because, because I hate him. Um,
1: I'm, I mean, there is the trope, Americans hate hate Tingle. <laughs>
0: Uh, Moonraiser comments, uh, a Beyblade makes a good spin off. And uh, Tom Thurman replies, Vinyl Records make a good spin off. So I will drink to both of those because we have to drink every time there is a bad, good jo- Or a good, bad joke. Good dad joke.
1: Um, bad. bad dad joke. Bad, bad joke. Things? A joke. Yeah.
0: You spin me right round too, Moonraiser. We'll drink to you.
1: I would like to point out that I've totally lost the thread on what's going on here.
0: Although Spin Me Right Round is not nearly as good a song as Round and Round. That is roundabout.
1: You keep on... Ms. Roundabout? If you're up your words, I'm gonna pull
0: those drinks away from you. No. That means I have to drink more. That's the rules. You, you know that. <laughs> I might ask you to get me another beer in a minute. <laughs> as long as you're up. I am not your servant. But you are up anyways now back to whatever we were talking about so um i feel like uh one of the funny things about warriors games in general is that a lot of them are spin-offs because obviously you've got kind of the main series warriors and then you have actually a lot of different uh warriors spin-off games like the hyrule warriors you got the gundam warriors you got uh there's the new Persona Warriors coming out next year. Um, Fire Emblem Warriors came out uh, last year or two years ago. Something like that.
1: So They're, ki- they're kind of like the Total War games in that.
0: Yeah, so you get all sorts of different um, things in them. But at the same time, they're all still uniquely Warriors-style gameplay. So it's it's a different thing. And then what makes Age of Calamity, I feel like, technically... The best of them. In my opinion, it's the best Warriors game I've ever played. Uh, because, first of all, I'm just a, you know, Zelda nut. I'm just like, yeah, it's got all these Zelda characters, so obviously that gives it a good plus. You know, it's staying true to the content insofar as it's making for a really fun story experience. But it's also bringing something new to the Zelda series by making it a heavy, heavy action-focused game instead of a you know like breath of the wild i would say i like the combat better in breath of the wild than i do in hyrule warriors but it's it's you know comparing apples and oranges at that point because you're a heavy heavy combat focused game versus a game with more kind of slower paced strategic ish combat it's obvious it's it's fast-paced enough that it's it keeps it fun and interesting in breath of the wild but it's uh you know, slower than, you know, fighting 8 billion enemies at once, like in Hyrule Warriors, and you have to be more strategic in what you're actually doing. So I think there are games that make a better balance, but, you know, sometimes it's fun to just, you know, just go wham, wham, you know, cleaving through lines of a 100 guys at once and all that shit, you know, it's so it, it brings something different that you would not get in the mainline series. While at the same time, it still supports a lot of the things that make Zelda, Zelda, you know. It's got the characters, yeah. it's got the story, it's got the lore. Um, but not the gameplay. Yeah, not the gameplay. If, but it's got different gameplay that's good, so it, it, it fucking works.
1: Uh, would you say that a spin-off needs to appeal to the uh, the audience of the main series games? To necessarily be considered good,
0: I don't know, because I think it not not necessarily to be considered good, because I think a game can be good whether or not the regardless of its target audience, because at the one point a spinoff can you know be kind of trying to get people from its target audience to come. You know, from its original audience, like say it's a Zelda spinoff, you're trying to get into Zelda fans and get them in. But a lot of Zelda fans I've heard, you know, are just not interested in Warriors gameplay at all. But they've tried it out because, you know, of the other things that it has, the lore, and there's more exploration in, um, in Age of Calamity than there has been in any other uh, Musu game. So. I think that's an important thing to consider when you're making a spin-off, but I don't think it's necessary to be good. Cause as a Fire Emblem fan, I would have hated Fire Emblem Warriors. But as a Warriors fan, I really enjoyed it. That's that's another kind of thing, though, is when you're getting these crossover games, it's you know, it's part spin-off and it's part crossover. Where, you know, I like Warriors games, so I liked Fire Emblem Warriors. If I was in it for all of the Fire emblem then I would have found literally nothing. Because it's got, like, Fire Emblem characters mostly from recent games. There's very few classic fire emblem characters so i kind of think they missed out on that and the gameplay is strictly warriors gameplay there's nothing strategic about it at all it's like even the age of calamity now is is like 800 times more strategic which is weird because fire emblem is a strategy game you know so you'd think they'd add something in there and there's little bits of strategy like i think they had the weapon triangle but it's like If you're, like, patient enough, it it, it doesn't fucking matter. You you will get them, right? No matter what the weapon triangle says in that game. And the story was nothing even close to as good as any Fire Emblem story ever. Uh, Because Fire Emblem obviously has a lot of really great characters and a lot of really great stories, depending on which game. And... You know, that's that's one of the few story or games where I really play for the, the story and the characters more than the gameplay. Because the, the gameplay in Fire Emblem, I think, is fun, um, but I'm just not really a big fan of tactical RPGs and stuff like that, and tactics games in general. But I like Fire Emblem's gameplay enough that it gets me through, and I'm really sticking around for the stories with the characters and their relationships with each other, and all that kind of stuff. So... In that regard, I think Fire Emblem Warriors really, really, really dropped the ball and was not even anything close to the original series, but I still think it was a good game. But the story felt like it was just a, you know, cobbled together pile of, like let's let's shoehorn in this character let's shoehorn in this character and so every time you're meeting a new character from a new game it's just like hey here's a level and they think you're the bad guy they don't trust you so you have to fight them like literally that's a story point that's repeated like four times in this game it's like the new characters that they created specifically for this game add literally nothing to the story it's it's it is a bad story but the level designs are cool, the characters are cool, with fun movesets to play as and stuff like that. So, I think there is a better balance to be struck. I think Age of Calamity strikes that balance much, much better. Or, uh, for another example of a spin-off, I really love uh, Cadence of Hyrule, which strikes that balance. Where it's like, it's the gameplay is, really it feels like a Zelda game on the beat. That's the only real difference. You know, it's got some of those roguelike elements, but not as hard as the original Crypt of the Necrodancer. Roguelike, obviously, that's like a traditional roguelike, like every time you go in anywhere it's it's different. This one it's just like the dungeons are roguelike and the uh, the overworld is randomly generated once at the start of the game. So it's like it's got those elements, but it doesn't stop it from just literally feeling like a Zelda game. So, yeah. Um I think that's one of the most important things is to retain some feeling of the original. I would cuz like as a spin-off, I didn't care for Fire Emblem Warriors as well. I liked it because I liked the characters and I thought they were fun to play as. And and that was about it. I think as a spin-off to bring people from the Fire Emblem franchise into the Musou franchise, it did literally nothing. But to bring Muso character Muso lovers into the uh, Fire Emblem franchise, maybe it worked. Maybe it's like, oh, I'm, I like this character. I want to see more about what they're about. Maybe I'll check out Fire Emblem Fates or, or Awakening, or, uh, whichever. They, they had uh, a couple of the older ones, but mostly it was Fates and Awakening. I feel like. Which at the time were obviously the newest games. So it's like, okay, I feel like this is a little bit of a, a cash grab there, it's like you were talking about earlier. Not like terrible, because they, they had like Lynn and. Um, I'm trying to think of all the classic ones they had. They Mars,
1: Roy. They you know all, all, the Super Smash, all the characters that are Super Smash Bros. famous? No, no oh, Mars. Had,
0: I think they had Mars. I don't think they had Roy. I would have liked Roy or Elwood or, or fucking Hector. Hector was awesome. Um, or like, uh, Erica. Uh, from Sacred Stones, or... Anyways, there's a ton of characters. That's that's one of the problems, I guess, with this sort of game, is that literally you have, you know, probably over a thousand playable characters. Maybe, maybe not that. But... You know, easily over 100, because there's probably, you know, 20 or 30 per game in the Fire Emblem series, right? So, several hundred characters to draw from, what do you do? You know, you do the thing that'll sell most, I guess. (laughs) Like, look, Chrom is here. Everybody wants to touch his blue-haired anime boy bod.
1: Would your point be kind of that you thought, say, Fire Emblem uh, Heroes, or Fire Emblem... Warriors was, like, a decent game, but not a good spinoff? Is that kind of what you're getting at?
0: Yeah. um, Well, I mean, I think it was a a good spinoff to a a point, because I think any Warriors fan that bought it might suddenly be interested in uh, the main series, but I do not think the opposite is true. I do not think anybody bought it being like, I'm a big Fire Emblem fan, I'm going to try this out, and then thought, oh, this is amazing, now I'm going to play every Warriors game ever, because I feel like there's just a big disconnect in gameplay and in, you know, what these games are about that really didn't mesh well together, you know, because Fire Emblem is all story and character, and, uh, you know, Warriors, Musou games are all hack and slash action. You know, you can tell a decent story through that, but they didn't because they were just trying to shoehorn in all this, you know, weird, overly complicated stuff that didn't actually matter just to get other characters into the world. That's what it felt like.
1: Okay. So I
0: I don't think it was the best spinoff, but it was an okay spinoff.
1: I would ask a more pointed question, which is, uh... Do you think a game, a good game can be a bad spinoff? Probably.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to think of an example of uh, how exactly that could happen. Because I guess, you know, part of the... <clears throat> I don't know, because I, th- I feel like part of the idea of a spinoff is to get a target demographic into the series that wouldn't ordinarily be or to just do something a little... I, I don't know. This is, this is kind of a little bit of a interesting question here. I, I like it. Because um, I feel like the most successful spin-offs will, you know, get you somebody else interested in the series, however they do that. You know like super mario rpg or paper mario might get in you know rpg fans who ordinarily don't like platformers or it might get you know mario players to go play oh hey square enix developed super mario rpg and that game was great i'm gonna go check out final fantasy something like that so i feel like there's maybe an ulterior motive behind a lot of um spin-offs just as a business tactic and I don't feel like that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but I feel like you could have a, a good game in a spin-off setting that didn't necessarily accomplish that. Okay. But I'm, I'm struggling to actually come up with an example of something that did. I'm, I'm thinking here. Uh, what do you think? On your uh,
1: question. On, like, what's the... Does the spin-off have to have a point other than, oh, it's literally just a game from the main franchise, but set as, like, a side story or not, like, a direct prequel or sequel or whatever. Right. Uh, and then you get into, like, what is a sequel territory, and that's a rabbit hole with no end. Right. It's just, a There's nowhere you can... Oh, shit. That guy killed me. Uh... A spinoff that would, uh... I would say uh, I'm thinking of like the Divinity Original Sin games which mm-hmm. were actually a spinoff of uh, I, I didn't know this but they were apparently a spinoff of a, of a different franchise called the Divinity franchise which was more like a Diablo franchise huh. and, and the Divinity games are fairly, fairly well known like CRPGs mm-hmm. but I don't think the original Divinity is as well known I don't think that's a uh...
0: yeah, because I I didn't know there was a divinity before divinity original sin.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so if
0: somebody said divinity, I would assume they meant original sin. I I didn't hear about it before then. Um,
1: And it's well, I think it's kind of completely overtaken the original uh, series, and I didn't know. I think it's worth saying, I didn't know about the original series until I bothered to, like, look it up, be like, hey, where'd this come from? Mm -hmm. Divinity Original Sin sounded like kind of, uh, something that would have been its own thing. It's got the semicolon, the magic semicolon, in the title.
0: Yeah. Um, you know what? I thought of a a game that I think fits the description of a good game that is a bad spin-off. Um, and I might catch some flack for just calling this game good, but I liked Final Fantasy Mystic Quest.
1: Uh, oh, my understanding was that Mystic Quest was pretty well liked, but my under Was Mystic Quest the one that was, like, a retitled, like, secret of mana?
0: I don't know. Um, no, that was, that was Final Fantasy Adventure, I think, is what you're thinking of. Okay. About. Um, yeah, Mystic Quest, um was actually a little similar to a Zelda game, uh, and I feel like in an alternate reality, like, the Zelda series could have gone to Mystic Quest style instead of Link to the Past style, uh, is, is how closely I would equate it to the Zelda series at the time, you know, if you reskinned it with Link, I think people would buy it and be like, oh, this is cool, this is a Zelda game, because you know, you're adventuring around, you're getting different items that give you different abilities to climb and stuff. Uh, and the, you know, it's it's got none of the RPG elements that Final Fantasy is really known for. So I think that's why it gets a lot of flack is that it's not Final Fantasy, distinctly. And I feel like Final Fantasy fans going into this game would be majorly disappointed because they'd be like i thought this was going to be a final fantasy game and it's it's not even close to a final fantasy game uh but i thought it was fun i didn't play it for a long long time but i thought it was really fun it kept interesting you know by adding new mechanics uh you know regularly enough but not enough to get overly complicated it's like oh here you have the this magic mitt now, you can climb on mountain terrain, so you can, you know, unlock different areas that way and stuff like that. And
1: okay, well, by that margin, is a Crystal Chronicles a bad spinoff, but a good game?
0: Um, I don't know, because I feel like that one's generally more well-liked, but I feel like the same thing could be said about it, because uh, it doesn't present anything... You know, it's it's more strategic in the combat than uh, Mystic Quest was. But it's still, like, totally different in, like, as far different as it could be from traditional Final Fantasy games. Uh, especially in the co-op and, and all that. And I, that's another game that I really, really love. Actually, I like that one. Uh... That might be one of my favorite spinoffs of all time, actually. Um, but I feel like maybe it's got it's it's more akin to Final Fantasy because it's still got the RPG elements. It makes it more of an action RPG rather than a strategic RPG. You know, it's not turn based. You're you're switching spells on the fly, so you're you're using your different spells. You're using um uh, you're getting upgrades like an RPG that, you know, every level you do you get an item that adds to your stats and stuff. So you've you've got all these RPG like elements. So I think that's a, a better uh spin-off. I think it's a good spin-off of Final Fantasy. Uh and I think it's a good game. And and that's I think what distinguishes it is it does something different. The key difference between that and a regular Final Fantasy game is the fact that it's uh, not turn based and it's more of an action RPG and that's really the only major difference okay you know because it's still very story driven Uh, it's still maybe not as story driven as the average Final Fantasy but it's you know the story is, is still important there it's kind of keeping you going and you know you still have these base RPG elements even if they're presented in a little bit of a different way beer. I'm gonna give this... I, I haven't rated this beer yet. Mm.
1: So, I, so, do you think someone who came from Final F- Fantasy Crystal Chronicles to a main series Final Fantasy game wouldn't it be thrown at all? you think they would move from that and be like, oh yeah, I like main series Final Fantasy games. you think it has the same kind of crossover appeal, or do you think
0: they would be... I think it's got more crossover appeal than like... A game that Mystic is totally, Quest. yeah, like Mystic Quest, where it's totally just completely bereft of anything Final Fantasy feeling. Uh, for the same reason, you know, like I feel like Fire Emblem Warriors is bereft of anything Fire Emblem feeling. So that that's kind of the same thing. I would go there. Um, yeah. So I I think the average Final Fantasy. Aficionado would probably find more to enjoy in uh, in Crystal Chronicles than in Mystic Quest. I, th- I think, for the most part, they would enjoy it. They might not be like, "Oh yeah, this is the greatest game ever," but I think they would generally get a kick out of it. Be like, "Yeah, this is a cool uh, world with a lot of interesting lore to discover, with interesting characters to meet. The story is is cool, and you know the RPG elements aren't like." top, top tier, like, you know, it's not Final Fantasy VII or, or, you know, something like that, you know, where you've got everything you do is, like, going into your character build and stuff like that, but it's got enough reminiscent of that that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of see what they're doing here. It's, It's pretty cool. So I don't think every Final Fantasy junkie would be all for it, but I think... I think in general most Final Fantasy people would like it okay. If not better. I mean I am kind of a Final Fantasy junkie. I'm not like the hugest Final Fantasy junkie, but I've I've barely So I, I like most Final Fantasy games and all I, right. like this she, game. I love this game.
1: Here's yeah. a point I was kind of confused on based off of our earlier conversation. Is a spin off supposed to convert people to the main series, or are people from the main series supposed to like the spin offs? Or both.
0: I think both and either. Okay. Because I feel like as long as you do one or the other, you are successful. And if you do both, then you are extra successful. Because I feel like big Warriors players getting into the Zelda lore a little bit, playing this, uh, Age of Calamity now... Uh, I feel like they could easily be like, "Hey, this lore stuff is cool," or you know, I, I really like some of these characters. I'd like to learn more about them, um, you know, or even in the original Hyrule Warriors, or in you know, uh, in the f- to uh like Fire Emblem Warriors to a lesser extent. I think you know there'd be something that a Warriors player might be like, "Hey, these, I like the character design. I like the." you know, some of the interactions between the characters, maybe, even though most of them are just feel forced and shoehorned in. But, um, so, so that one's not necessarily the worst example of a spin-off, but it's, it's not a great example of a off either, because I feel like most Warriors players would be like, yeah, this is, this is okay. Uh, but the gameplay is fun, so I'm going to play it because it's a Warriors game.
1: So, I mean, is it a good spinoff of a Warriors game, but a bad spinoff of a Fire Emblem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I think it's an okay spinoff of Warriors, and I think it's a bad spinoff of Fire Emblem. But if you like okay. Warriors games, I think you'll like it, because it's, it's a Warriors
1: game. <laughs> That's a very interesting criteria.
0: But yeah, if you're a great spinoff, I feel like you'll pull people either direction.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm satisfied with that criteria. Yeah. Okay. Um uh, one, one last thing. Yeah. One one, one last like bozo topic. Mm-hmm. Uh mobile mobile spin offs.
0: I'm just not a fan of mobile gaming in general, so I, I guess it kind of depends on, on how it's handled. Because um, I do like the way that some of them work. Uh, the big ones that I've played are, are again, going to be a lot of Nintendo stuff. Um, so that's kind of going to be that. But um, I don't think they could be... I don't know, because I feel like mostly... The mobile spin-offs are like kind of catering to the demographic of the people who play these games anyway and they're not necessarily trying to you know it's not like a crossover like we're talking about with the uh with warriors and whatever um it's more like um you know they're just trying to find another way to monetize their ip basically Uh, Like Super Mario Run, for example, uh, really is just for Mario fans that would like a Mario game that they can just easily play anywhere on their phone. You know, stuff like that. Fire Emblem Heroes is, you know, the same kind of thing with Fire Emblem. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes when they're done well, uh, I feel like the proof is in the pudding right that, that these things work like fire emblem heroes blew up that game was popular as shit and then immediately after fire emblem three houses became the best selling game in the franchise so i think there's a point to these i think they can bring in new care new gamers to the series because i mean it obviously worked it worked for pokemon as well uh, you know, you got a ton of new players and a ton of old players, uh, through Pokemon Go, you know, I know a ton of people who like started playing Pokemon Go cause they were Gen 1ers for forever and Pokemon Go started as a Gen 1 exclusive. That was all of the Pokemon in the game. And, you know, then people were like, Hey, this is actually pretty fun. You know, this isn't bad. Maybe I'll get, you know, into the next one, into Sun and Moon, Sword and Shield when they came out. Uh, and those games both sold really, really well. And as well, you know, Pokemon Go itself made bank. It is the, I think, the highest grossing mobile game of all time. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what I read. Uh, maybe it's the highest grossing Nintendo mobile game or something. But um,
1: I, I mean, that sounds right <laughs> to me, considering the popularity yeah. of it. Yeah, Especially back in like, 2016,
0: yeah, when people were allowed like to go outside. was in their first year. Just off of, you know, the easy microtransactions of like, oh yeah, I'm out of Pokeballs, I'll pay a buck for ten Pokeballs just to get me the next, next Pokestop or whatever, and I'm just like, wow, that's incredible. Because I've never spent a dime on the game, and, uh, you know, I, I still have a pretty good time. Um, it's it's interesting, though, because I, I wouldn't expect myself to have... I, I never expect myself to have a good time going into any kind of mobile spin-off. Um And so then when I do have a good time, I'm like really happy with myself and my, you know, deciding to you know, buy the game or, or whatever I whatever I do, depending on how they monetize it like, with Pokemon Go is the mobile game of it that probably the mobile phone game that I've played the most out of any mobile phone game ever um don't get hit by a car, Chris it's a
1: bad idea it's very difficult to not get hit by the car <laughs> apparently
0: yeah, um <laughs> Getting hit by cars all over the place. But, um... Yeah, what was I saying? Um Yeah, Pokemon Go just kind of has this uh draw that it's a little bit of a different game no matter where you play it. And it, it takes advantage of the mobile phone hardware like most games don't, you know? It's the GPS and the, the fact that real-world places kind of influence the game and, and what's going on. And you're actually... It's, you know all the AR stuff that they do is, you know, icing on the cake at that point, you know. It's like, I I think it's a really unique concept, and I think it's one of the very few games that actually capitalizes on the technology that is available to them on the mobile phone platforms, Uh, which is something that I kind of lament in mobile phone games, which is why I don't play very many, because most of them I feel like are... Just trying right. to be as easy cash grabs as they can possibly be, just like, oh, like hey, the Final, Final, Final Fantasy.
1: Fantasy. I I don't even remember the name of it, but the mobile one that was basically. Yes. Oh
0: yeah, it's like just Final it. Fantasy, except for. Um,
1: Disidia was fine.
0: Yeah. I N- no, I it was Don't insult
1: Disidia by comparing it to this. This this no. game was just like. A, okay,
0: there is a mobile Disidia, so I'm not sure which one we're talking about. There's there's a several mobile Final Fantasy games, and I, I've i downloaded a few of them and never got around to playing any of them, so I, I don't know which one is which.
1: <laughs> so this is... I don't remember the name of it, but it was a Final Fantasy where, basically, it was this, like the active quick Time. It was like Final Fantasy Heroes or something like that. Mm. And it was just... You would spam a bunch of you would basically just tap the screen and spam a bunch of like characters at the screen in the active quick time battle and you'd run out of them. And then you'd just have to spend money to get more. And that was all it was. And that is epitomizes like heartless, thoughtless cash grab.
0: Yeah. To me. That's kind of what I feel about, um, Dr. Mario world and, uh, Mario Kart tour as well. I feel like they're just kind of there to to get your money, um. Because especially with the gotcha systems in in both of them, because it's like, uh, in order to get anything for free in Doctor Mario World, I think you have to play like probably a, a good several hours of Doctor Mario to get like one free spin for a random character but the character might be a doctor and they might be an assistant and they they have like different abilities that they do in in the actual dr mario matches and assistants are basically meaningless so it's like what the hell uh all i want is like just Dr. Mario, right? The The game is named after Dr. Mario. Can't I have Dr. Mario? It's like, no. You get Bowser, and, like, based on average use of this game, you can reroll once a month to maybe get somebody, and I'm like, I, I think I have Dr. Bowser and, like, Dr. Toad or some shit. And I'm just like, I can't even get Mario, and I keep getting all these, like, stupid assistants, like, Goomba. I'm like, you know, Toadette, and I'm like, why? Why why do I get assistance? They, I don't even know what they do in the game. I'm just like, this is so weird. And Mario Kart is even worse about that. Although, I, I started playing Mario Kart Tour again recently, not on purpose, but my sister is into it, so I, I put it on my phone so my kids could play online with my sister, and uh, they seem to like it okay, and they've unlocked several drivers recently which is weird cuz when i first played it like i think i played for a couple hours and i got like one free driver or something and it was again it wasn't you know anybody i gave a shit about i'm like i can't get mario or peach or whatever i'm i'm like stuck with bowser and and toad maybe i don't remember uh but it's like i can't get mario i can't get donkey kong i can't get any of these you know characters that i actually want ...because of the gotcha system, and they just feel like cash grabs. Especially Mario Kart Tour felt like it was just lazily made. Because at the very least, Fire Emblem Heroes, the gameplay feels like a real Fire Emblem game. You know, you got your weapon triangle, and you got your strategy... It's, it's actually really well designed. I liked playing Fire Emblem Heroes. I didn't play it for very long, again, because the gotcha system. And I'm just like, I, I, I keep getting these nobodies from Japanese Fire Emblem games that they won't even localize. <laughs> you know, I don't even know any of the characters I have. Uh, and then, but the, the gameplay really felt like Fire Emblem gameplay. And the Mario Kart gameplay feels like the clunkiest mario kart you could possibly like the super nintendo mario kart feels better
1: (laughs) wow that's that's bad yeah
0: and the super nintendo mario kart going back to that is is kind of hard like at the time i remember having a lot of fun with it like when i was a little kid but going back to that it's it's hard to go back it's just like everything feels so unnatural in the way that your carts move and stuff like that. It's just weird. So, yeah. Do you play any mobile offs?
1: Uh, no, I was tempted to play Fallout Shelter at one point, but I, I never played, that,
0: played that. I played it briefly, but it's just really not my style of gameplay. Um, yeah. A buddy of mine is really big into it and, and you know, is customizing his shelter and, and doing all that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept, but it's it's really just, like, I'm just like, I don't want to micromanage all this shit. I, ju- I just want to shoot stuff with a shotgun and, and, like, hit people with a straight razor. That is that is fallout to me. Shotgun and a straight razor.
1: Fair enough. And
0: if shit gets real, you know, crazy, I'll, I'll bring out my baseball bat.
1: So, I think we got a ranking system here which is good good spin-offs are good spin-offs are ones that are good games in their own right as well as appealing to both new and existing members of a franchise mm-hmm. uh or great spin-offs I'd say good spin-offs are those that maybe don't meet all of those criteria but uh still do one or the other yeah they're they're good games and they appeal to at least one of those two demographics mm-hmm. and uh Mediocre spinoffs are those that are like maybe fun games on their own but don't really appeal to either crowd. And then trash is like gotcha games. (laughs) Yeah. Like gotcha game spinoffs. I mean, apparently Genshin Impact was like not a spinoff but like a fun gotcha, but that's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah, I haven't played Genshin Impact, but I actually keep hearing good things about it, and I guess the gotcha isn't all up in your face, and, like, because it's all, like, unique characters anyway, it's not like a gotcha in a existing IP, where it's like, you know, in Fire Emblem, I'm like, I want Lynn, I want Hector, I want Chrom, I want somebody I recognize, one of these big characters from the games, and I'm getting, you know, the healer from Fire Emblem 4, who was in a japanese only game and i'm like who's this guy or or like some thief from fire emblem path of radiance that you didn't use because you had the other thief
1: not Soth, but uh somebody else yeah
0: not Soth, but uh, uh i guess volk was the other thief he, he was kind of story important so i guess that's a bad example but you know what i mean you got you got the idea
1: <laughs> yeah You know what you
0: mean. From Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, right? It's like the chick that you meet in the jail, and she's a soldier class, and she never has another speaking line for the rest of the story. So there's not really a point in in ever using her unless you want to see her, you know, uh, relationship conversations with the support system, which is a legit. Reason to literally raise anybody in any Fire Emblem game because that's that's the best part of Fire Emblem.
1: Honestly. At this point, it's at this point we're just talking about Fire Emblem, so you want to just continue talking about Fire Emblem? Yeah,
0: Fire Emblem is great. Everybody, go play Fire Emblem. Don't get three houses. Get Path of Radiance. I know that Path of Radiance discs are three hundred dollars, and it is worth your money more than three houses is worth your sixty. Even even if it's Path of even if the the new one. Yeah. I feel like Path of Radiance for 300 bucks is a better deal than Three Houses even though it's on sale now cuz it's Black Friday literally today for 30 bucks. That is how much better I think Path of Radiance is than Three Houses. I like Three Houses.
1: Which, which... which and you're still saying that Three Houses is definitely one of the lesser Fire Emblems.
0: Yeah, in, in comparison to other Fire Emblems, uh, yeah, I, I would just say it's it's on the lower side. It's not a bad game. I liked it. Uh, I like a lot of the characters. I don't like all the characters. Some of them, I'm just like, yeah, you're there. Okay. But, uh, yeah, good game. If, if it gets you into the series, then yeah, definitely go pick up Three Houses. But, uh, you know, if, if you already picked up three houses and you want another Fire Emblem, the best one is Path of Radiance.
1: I don't understand why Three Houses seems to be have been the Fire Emblem game that a lot of people that brought a lot of people into the franchise. Yeah, I'm not
0: really sure. I guess All maybe things. it's partially just popularity of Switch as a system, and people are just you know, because I feel like a lot of things are coming out on Switch and just going crazy popular. Because uh, obviously you got the best-selling Animal Crossing now. Um, I think the Pokemon games are on track if they haven't already become the most popular or best-selling Pokemon games. Breath of the Wild sold better on Switch alone than any other Zelda game ever, including, I think, Twilight Princess's combined sales on GameCube and Wii. So, just just things get released on Switch, and, and they're instant gold billions of people buy not billions but you know multi-millions they have i think six games or something over 20 million copies sold which is absolutely insane so i think it's just something about the switch that just makes people buy games it's it's magic you should probably shoot that guy instead of shooting past him that's my
1: well the problem is I start in an elevator and it takes a second to open the doors so it always throws me off. Uh-huh. <laughs> also the fat guys sometimes take two shotgun blasts to finish off instead of one.
0: It's not over till the fat guy gets blasted by a shotgun. Twice.
1: Yeah. I... Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I I mean that's just true in all things. <laughs> Life. Yeah. Death
0: you're just aiming with your mouse now and probably moving with the keyboard. Is that how that works? It looks like. It works. Aim with
1: my mouse and oh, uh, yeah. so move with that
0: my work keyboard. On yeah. The Do you have to move your su- reticle and your guys simultaneously?
1: So there's like auto aim. Hmm. On so uh, like
0: going whichever controller. direction you're the thumbstick. Or- yeah. because mostly I've been looking at this for Switch, because the Switch collection, I think, is is pretty cheap. Although, I guess it would probably be the same price, if not cheaper on Steam. Maybe it will go on a Steam sale, too. So I might get it on PC one of these days. One of these days, I'm going to get all the Hotline Miami's and then play one of them and forget the other two exist for a long time.
1: Anyways, I think that's
0: all for our spinoff topic. So, uh... Good having yeah. you guys here. We still have one concurrent viewer, so for uh, that one concurrent viewer, we will take a drink. I, I, that's, that's a new rule. We have to take a drink for every concurrent viewer we have um, at the end of our final topic. We, that sounds like a terrible idea. I, I refuse
1: to agree to that.
0: Okay, well I'm going to agree to that as long as our channel doesn't get popular. Once our channel gets popular, then maybe I'll have to change it to 10 viewers or, or 30 viewers or 100 viewers. A thousand yeah, it, viewers. It depends on how popular we get, you know. Like, I do yeah. not expect us to get that popular that quickly, but you know we had growth from last week to this week, so I'll I'll take it where I can get it. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. As always, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, your host of Drink to the Past, and I was joined today by my lovely co-host, Chris owes me 20 bucks, Audet.
1: Hi, I'm Chris, kill, cop killer, but bad at it, Audet. Oh, God, I, I already regret saying that. He's uh, not political.
0: Find... He's talking about a video game.
1: I am talking about a video game. Uh, you can find my writings at Drive Through RPG and Itch.io under Five Cataclysms. I wrote uh, House of Flowers, which is an old-school, D&D-compatible adventure, and co-wrote uh, Five Cataclysm Core Rules Beta Edition, which is uh, our R-Hout system that I wrote with my co-author, Nick. Uh, you can also find his adventures for sale in those same places. Uh, the stuff I put out is free, or pay what you want. You can pick that up with whatever price. Uh, If you pick up his stuff, it costs money, but it's well worth the price, so check it out.
0: Mm -hmm. You can also find me on uh, tgpzgaming.com. I'm one of the blog writers, and I'm going to get together a uh, list of, uh, or a review of uh, Age of Calamity here pretty soon, uh, which should be going up on the blog uh, probably this week. I think I'll get around to that, uh, hopefully, and... um, hope if, if all goes well you know maybe get it posted sometimes it takes a little while to post because we have to you know go through a process and all that. but uh, the uh generally good uh, gaming content there there's a uh, several opinion articles also on the tgpz gaming website uh, is actually uh, the main draw of that website is a one-stop shop um, kind of for all sort of gaming merchandise and things from all sorts of different uh, vendors um, so you can you can go on there and look up all sorts of different things from uh, merchandise uh you know clothing accessories that kind of thing uh glassware uh they've got some really cool legend of zelda glasses and it's it's just all sorts of gaming merchandise the the you know and it's it's all in one place uh it's just it's just set up as this place where you can find all sorts of cool gaming merchandise from around the web all in one convenience place so it's it's a really cool website it's easy to navigate and and you know even if i wasn't you know a writer there i would still really dig this website it's it's really cool so uh go check them out uh as well there's the blog there has interesting gaming posts all the time and um i'm gonna have my age of calamity review up there uh pretty soon hopefully so give them a check out they also do a podcast, uh, so if you want to look up, Busted Buttons is their podcast. Uh, they just put up a new episode yesterday, it was pretty fun, about uh, next-gen systems and the whole debacle with uh, releases and stuff. So it's a, it's a good listen over there, most places you get your podcasts. Uh, so if you're on YouTube, they're on YouTube, they're also on you know any other kind of place. Also, if you want to check us out, uh, we're obviously on YouTube, if you're watching live right now. We're going to be live every Friday uh, and we're also available on Podbean and Apple, so check us out. Alright, now that we've shamelessly plugged ourselves, we move to our final part of the podcast, uh, which is the part where we talk about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward and I cut us off.
1: Uh, fuck. April wants to know if you watched The New Mandalorian. The New Mandalorian? Yeah,
0: have you watched any of those?
1: No, I don't really support Chinese companies.
0: Don't support Chinese companies. What? He doesn't support Chinese companies. No, I didn't. Oh,
1: yeah. Here you go. Hey, <laughs> bro.
0: Say hi. Here, get closer to the mic so everybody. What do you knows have against China?
1: Uh, no, I have nothing against China as like a. Uh, it's like a place, He's or as like you know the people. You. I have something against their current regime, but that's... Well, that's... yeah, for
0: danger. But that's politics? their current regime. <laughs> i have to drink more if we're gonna get into politics.
1: <laughs> it's not our politics, it's other people's politics. Oh, that
0: makes it okay.
1: <laughs>
0: Go home, you're drunk. <laughs> she lives here, it's funny. So that
1: so you won't watch Mandalorian because uh no I I just don't really have much interest in subscribing to Disney Plus oh. getting that
0: that's fair my interest lies solely in the
1: Mandalorian and
0: children you might and to I watch
1: a lot of stuff on it so, so. like I I still need to watch The Wire and that's like on HBO. There's too many streaming services, I guess is my point. That
0: is a problem. I
1: agree.
0: As he he just... I do keep lamenting the fact that I can watch none of the cool Star Trek stuff that Star Trek keeps making and then putting on the CBS one. And I'm just like, dude, put it on a real streaming service. Nobody wants to pay $5.99 a month for Star Trek and whatever else you're selling that they're not watching because it's not fucking Star Trek!
1: Also, we got
0: Hulu just for one show. I got a three-month trial of Hulu so I can watch Animaniacs. It's not the same. <laughs> I'm gonna cancel it, and my kid is gonna be sad because he can't watch Curious George anymore. But I'm, I'll be like, we have DVDs, bro.
1: I'm mean, like, we have DVDs, bro, is a pretty solid, uh... Argument? pretty solid argument, no, yeah,
0: that's what I would understand, a pretty
1: solid argument?
0: No. Does ours ever? No.
1: Mm-hmm. He's gifted, I mean, he's talented. He what's he a does. pretty solid argument to a six-year-old? I don't. Isn't necessarily a pretty solid argument to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't think I
0: want to argue with that kid ever. I'll just be like, sorry. Oh, here's what I want. It'll be good. <laughs> Get <away>, here, <sighs> kid. <laughs> yep. Yeah, All right. I guess she's leaving. Goodbye to our faithful podcast guest. You didn't see that coming as a podcast guest, did you? Yeah. She yells at me from off screen and and occasionally joins in the riffraff.
1: I mean, it depends on who this podcast guest is. If it's Nick, he probably totally saw it coming.
0: Yeah. Tell Nick I say hi. I haven't seen Nick in a while. He hasn't jumped randomly in the middle of the... I haven't seen anybody in a while. That is true. Um, I, I saw this beer once. I didn't read Tom Thurman's last comment because uh, I, I, I thought we were, you know, in the middle of. A, I, I, I thought about it. Um, not his last comment, but he, he had one in that uh, string of things. Uh, so he wanted to be uh, more specific. The labia minora is the outer lips of the vagina. So.
1: Oh, uh, well, we got a scientist over here.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was a thing that I learned at some point in uh, biology class and then immediately forgot because the scientific terminology for, uh, you know, genitals is um, not something I will use ever in my adult life.
1: I mean, we used it just now, so don't – never say never. It's like when people are like, hey, what are we ever going to use this stuff for? I mean, you never know when you're going to need to – well, commit yeah. crimes.
0: Maybe we could have, you know, answered Tom's question in, in more excruciatingly graphic detail if if I had remembered. I I was like when I read labia minora, I was like labia is something involving biology. I think <laughs> that's a body part. I maybe. And I I, yes. I was right. I guess.
1: I I, I think I uh, figured. I think I was like. If I had my wits about me, wasn't too busy killing all these cops. Damn it!
0: What a weird first episode to get comments like that.
1: Get what? <laughs>
0: I, I do most streamers get first comments involving scientific terminology for sexual organs. Is is that how? Is is that like? Are we christened now as streamers? Thanks, think so. I mean, you were christened in the first place, because your name is Chris. chris get, get, get it?
1: I, I really hope you don't end on that god-awful dad joke. No, I, th- I
0: think we could find something more awkward than a, than a god-awful dad joke. Yeah. I love that god-awful dad joke. Because god-awful dad jokes are something that really speak to my heart.
1: As, as a god-awful dad. Oh. Something. Or something.
0: My wife's about to navigate a lizard.
1: About to land what?
0: Navigate a lizard. Pew pew pew.